The following discussion is not necessarily the views of all involved. The goal is to start open and honest discussion in the Christian worldview. Like all things, weigh what you hear with what you know and join us in our pursuit for the truth. Enjoy the podcast. Everything is made up. Anyways, next question. No, objectively not true. Prayer does work, which is why you can pray to saints. Anyways, let's... uh, (laughs) What is going on? (laughs) This is not the podcast. I can't remember reading this, like, growing up. (laughs) All right, welcome to the Second Rate Saints podcast. I'm one of your hosts here, Caleb. To my left is... Joshua. And to my left is... I'm Joel, and to my left, it's me, Caleb. It's just the three of us. We're missing Colton, and we're missing Stuart. Big sad. Very sad. Very sad. Miss them both. Wish and they were Josh here. Josh is half here. Yes, Josh is a little under the weather, so if he yes. sounds different, that's why. If my voice sounds deeper and more nasally, because I'm sick. <laughs> really? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'm sick. Hmm. He's, he's brought just, this up so many times since we got here. He's gonna get sicker and sicker. He's, yeah, he's gonna change his voice as the episode goes on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah man. He's just like, <laughs> guys, I'm so sick. Um, Joel, do we do things on the internet? Yeah, we've got um, secondratesaints.com where you can check out any kind of blog posts or episode posts that we have up. Um, there's also a chat feature there if you'd like to get a hold of us that way. Um, if you'd like to send us a more long-form message, uh, we have an email at secondratesaints at gmail.com. Um, if you'd like to follow us on our socials, we have an Instagram and a Twitter that are um, going to be more active, hopefully, in the next coming weeks. Um, yeah, and check us out on YouTube, as always. Um, we're trying to get you know some, some decent projects up and running here in the next little bit, so um, I'm very excited to see where Second Rate Saints goes as far as growth. How long yeah. do you think people are going to still call it Twitter when it's X now? I hate calling it X. I guess it everybody has that problem, and I don't understand why. Really, you don't understand? No. Huh. He has this whole thing about how Elon names his companies. Like I have SpaceX. Yeah, you, you explained it to me the other yeah. day. Yeah, how it's like consistent with his naming thing. I don't know. To me, X seems like an unnecessary rebrand. But yeah. Um, going back to you, Joel. What have you read? Yeah, so I just finished um, the first book in the Space Trilogy series <clears throat> by uh, C.S. Lewis, and uh, I loved it. It was actually like some of the best sci-fi I've read um, in a really long time. Um, I think the last sci-fi I enjoyed this much was uh, Dan Simmons' Hyperion. Mm. Um, I don't think I've read anything quite that enjoyable. You since. need to finish that whole series. <sighs> Hyperion? Yeah. I don't think I need to. I couldn't get into the second book. Anyways. No, but Catholic space. Yeah. Catholic space Nazis. Okay, we're not talking about Hyperion. <laughs> I was just saying that was the last sci-fi I enjoyed as much as this. Um, the way he writes it is so vivid. Again, this is the first book in uh, C.S. Lewis's Space Trilogy, which is his lesser known um, fiction, um, which I guess he writes a lot of fiction, but at the same time. Anyways, it's like this this narrative. And uh, the first book, just his imagery is so incredibly vivid. Um, the way he describes space travel, it like for it, it follows like an older style of sci-fi. Yeah. Um, you guys have also read it, right? Both of you. Yep. I've read the first book. 
Well, no. yeah, that's all I've read so far as well. I'm, I plan on reading the rest. I mean, they're... I'm so excited for when you read the third book. Oh, so good. Hopefully some of the um, stuff just compounds and gets better and better. Who would you think is the target demographic for that? Um, if you've ever read, like, Jules Verne, you might enjoy some of the styling um, of, of the way he describes environments. Um, but also if you enjoyed, um, oh, I suppose if you enjoyed Narnia as a child, then you might enjoy this as an adult. Okay. It gets into deeper themes. Um, and if Narnia is supposed to be, hmm, if Narnia is supposed to be analogous to Bible stories, then space trilogy is supposed to be analogous to theology. Yes. Right? You, you yes. see what I'm saying? Yeah, it does. You're like, right. Um, it gets more and more explicit the more it goes. It, yeah, it's it got pretty intense near the end of the first book even um, with the whole like, uh, I, I don't want to spoil too much for those that I, I are going to get into it. But uh, yeah. but also C.S. Lewis is known for being a very overt author. Is like he doesn't hide like ideas in narrative as well as other offers, but it's intentional. Like Jesus is Aslan? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and that's that's one of the most obvious yeah. ones in or, Narnia. Or the main character in this is called Ransom. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, and it is ransom theology. <laughs> like a, a little bit like for the first book especially. Yeah. Um it gets pretty pretty deep into that. But just the way he writes it, it's hard to read old sci-fi sometimes. Um because some of their their terms aren't quite as updated or there are things that are in the common vernacular now that aren't explained well in old sci-fi, you know, like obviously they didn't have, um, say as, as rigorous of an understanding of black holes or of the depths of space or, um, of the way different, uh, atmospheres of different planets would work out. Yeah. But he does a pretty good job of it. A shockingly good job. Like considering that they hadn't gone to the moon. Yeah. 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 It also like, because of that, space kind of feels like a magical forest. Yeah, he plays into that heavy. Yeah. <clears throat> but I think that's part of it. I think yeah. the reason it works is because he is writing it through the eyes of somebody seeing it. Yes. Not writing it from the world seeing the person. You know what I'm saying? Like a, a lot of these <laughs> <laughs> Josh looks some confused. some writers what? create a world and then place a character in the world. Whereas C.S. Lewis is creating a character and then through the eyes of that character seeing the world. Yes. You, you know what I'm saying? Yes. It's like a, it's a, he even it's makes a comment on it when it when the book ends and he goes, I don't know as much as I should know about where I was. Yeah. Right. Like that even my stories, I realize, is just a local understanding um, mm-hmm. and has nothing to do with the depth of his exploration. Right. Like it's just. Oh, man. It's it's really good. I need to reread the Dark Tower just to t- bring it up on the podcast because it's so good. See, I I've never even heard of the Dark Tower. Ransom's in it, like the same ransom. Yeah, and so is C.S. Lewis. What as a character? Okay, we got to clarify that this is not the Dark Tower by um, yeah. Stephen King. No, this, this is, is a different mm-hmm. by C.S. Lewis. It's so good. Related at all or no? He never finished it. So don't pick it up. Consider uh, expecting to finish the story. Things amp up, it gets halfway, and then it's like, anyway. But <laughs> holy moly, it's so good. Um, much of the same stuff, like what you're describing with the characters, exactly the same. C.S. Lewis is so good at that. At that, at least I found in his space trilogy, 
end in a little bit until we ha- uh, until we have faces. It's just such a sad book. Um, explaining and exploring the world through the character, and thus you create such a bond with the character that you kind of miss in lots of other fantasy and sci-fi and mm-hmm. modern literature. Um, it's a different way of creating a bond with a character than, let's say, Dovzietsky does, because that mm-hmm. there's a little bit of that, but like there's a you do definitely do create a bond with a character in in, in differently in that way too. But because you share that explore exploration aspect in C.S. Lewis's books, mm-hmm. I think you kind of yeah. There's a different type of mm-hmm. character bond that you have. Yeah, I'm very curious to see how he continues. Um, the kind of, cause you can't write exploration forever, right? Sometimes things have to happen in the world that's established. They're very different. All three are very, very different books. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it started off as a challenge amongst the Inklings. Mm. Like they all had to write a space travel, like sci-fi and in their like respective ways. And so he was tasked with space travel in their like sci-fi challenge. Tolkien had time travel one of the other guys had another type of travel within space yeah. and sci-fi. Um, and so C.S. Lewis wrote out of the silent planet as that. And so then it became this whole thing. Do I wonder you know- if that's why they get thicker. Cause mm-hmm. like at first it's just like this trial thing. And he's like, Oh, this is cool. Yeah. yeah. Oh no, this is really cool. And yeah. C.S. Uh, Tolkien started writing something and then it just fell apart and he started writing the fall of Numenor. <laughs> <laughs> is that actually what he wrote for that? Yeah. Oh, okay. Have you ever read, um, Leaf by Nagel. Uh, no, it's <laughs> a <not>. crazy name. <laughs> no, that's that's what it's called. I don't know what to tell you. Um, <coughs> apparently, the word just means like to kind of wander. It's, leaf? No, not leaf. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I understand. Anyways, yep. he writes another short story. Now it, it seems like very much in the vein of. It feels a little bit like. Uh, the Great Divorce, but, mm, okay. but very Tolkien, but not yep. elves. It's like, and it has something to do with the ontological argument. doesn't matter. Anyway, so let's move on. That sounds fascinating, though. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll read it and, and bring it to the podcast, because um, it's only like 70 pages. Josh. Yes. We're, as the audience knows, we are continuing on with Samuel. Yes. So what did we do previously on Samuel? Previously what? on Samuel. Previously on Samuel. Oh, we're all doing it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, once you did it, I had to do it. Yeah, so. fair. Yeah, so last time we talked about chapter 24 um, and chapter 23 and 24. Uh, David is pursued by Saul. First, David ends up defending this town of Kyla. Um, and using the ephod that the descendant that Ahimelech yep yep Ahimelech brings uh, after his father is killed by Saul yeah him and his whole town him and his whole town are killed he flees with the ephod with potentially the Uman and Thuman inside and that's what David uses to petition God for what he should do um, and so he finds out that Saul is coming to the town he is at which is Kyla um and David says, hey, is this town going to be killed on my behalf because Saul's going to come after me? God's like, yeah. Um, and so he's like, OK, I'm leaving. I don't want this town to die. So he leaves. Well, he's, he's like, is he going to come attack the town? Yes. Will they just give me up? Absolutely. Yeah. OK, leave. <laughs> yeah. OK, I'm leaving. Um, 
And so it's Abiathar. Ahimelech was the priest. Oh. Yeah. So well, Abiathar is the father, is it not? When Abiathar, the son of Ahimelech. Oh, yeah. You're right. I'm wrong. Yeah. No, no, no. We were both wrong. And then together. Yes. Um, and then Saul pursues David uh, into the hill country. And then eventually in the mountains, in the, in the cave system, David is hiding with his men and Saul takes a break and goes to relieve himself in the cave, goes to take a, a pee break. Um, <laughs> um, and David and his 600 men are just hiding in the caves while this is happening. And David goes up and cuts the hem off of Saul's robe, comes back and he feels really bad because he was going to, he might've brought harm to Saul and his men are like, Hey, why didn't you kill him? Like this was your opportunity. Yeah. Um, and David's like, no, but he's, I can't, he's one of the Lord's anointed. He's also my father-in-law. Like there, there's, you know, there's some more going on here. So he goes back and he's like, Hey, Saul, I've done nothing. Why do you treat me like this? I could have killed you. I didn't, you know, you can't kill me. The Lord's against you, but I don't want to kill you because you're the Lord's anointed. And David, and then Saul's like, is that, is David? that, you, <laughs> is that you, David? <laughs> Um, but she was looking for David this whole time. Yeah. So the fact that he just wandered into a cave to take a whiz and found him by accident. And David? then David does his whole spiel. And then, hey, is that you? Hey, is that you? Um, Can and you then someone like, walks in in the bathroom on you, like walks into the bathroom. And like, cuts down your clothes. I will spare you. It's like, whoa, what? <laughs> That's totally reframing everything. Funny. I mean, uh, works. <laughs> um, and so David, uh, Saul is suddenly realizes the situation he's in. Uh, literally he's caught with his pants down. Yeah, um, well, he was, yeah, <laughs> he's not currently. <laughs> um, and so Saul's like, Hey, just don't kill all my descendants. Right. When you take over and the throne's yours. Um, Which is funny because then they go both go their opposite ways and it's not. And then Saul later on comes and attacks him again. And we are at that divide part where they go both their own ways. And it opens up with the text that we're about to read. <laughs> yeah, that's sad. Yeah. And it's about to open up with the saddest thing ever. Now Samuel died and all Israel assembled and mourned for him. And they buried him in his house in Ramah. Then David rose and went down to the wilderness of Paran. And there was a man in Maon whose business was in Carmel. The man was very rich. He had 3,000 sheep and, and 1,000 goats. He was shearing his sheep in Carmel. Now the name of the man was Nabal and the name of his wife, Abigail. The woman was discerning and beautiful, but the man was harsh and badly behaved. He was a Calebite. David uh. heard in the wilderness that Nabal was shearing his sheep. So David sent 10 young men and David said to the young men, go up to Carmel and go to Nabal and greet him in my name. And thus you shall greet him. Peace be to you and peace be to your house and peace be in all that you have. I hear that you have shearers. Now your shepherds have been with us and we did them no harm and they missed nothing all the time they were in Carmel. Ask your young men and they will tell you. Therefore, let my young men find favor in your eyes for we come on a feast day, please give whatever you have at hand to your servants and to your son, David. Hmm. It seems reasonable. Yep. And there's some more reasonable stuff going on there. That's like kind of alluded to, but to our eyes, we don't see. 
Can you elaborate? Um, so at the shearing, as David would know as a shepherd himself, the shearing of the sheep is a, is a festival of sorts where the shepherds are brought in and they're rewarded for the sheep that they didn't lose, mm-hmm. that they are overseeing. And David is saying, hey, I was protecting your sheep from the the animals because I was with your shepherds. Mm-hmm. Um, and so as a part of the festival, can you also reward my men for having right. protected your sheep so mm-hmm. that you didn't lose any? Reasonable. Which is reasonable. Yeah, hey, enough. I did some free work for you. Mm-hmm. Can you put some stuff to the side? Yeah. We're yeah. just, you know, we don't, we can't have jobs because we're... <laughs> You know, yeah. fugitives, fugitives as like, what was it like a couple chapters earlier? It's he run when he runs away and then it's just like, and then also a couple people that people that, you know, on the outskirts of society, those that were the not friendly to Saul yeah. joined. Yes. And so it's kind of, he's got his band that is his band of, you know, merry men. Out, outcasts. Yeah. He's Robin Hood, dude. Yeah. 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 David is Robin Hood. Well, and the sheriff of Nottingham is Saul. Who is who's King John? Jesus is Lionheart. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fair enough. <coughs> yes, exactly. Um, do you got anything else, Caleb? Uh, Carmel is going to be more interesting later on in the Bible. That's. Well- it's going to be more of a theme towards the end of the chapter. Yeah. But it is where they're at. They're wandering around in Judah. It's a Calebite. Um, it seems as though he's staying close to home. Yes. Right. He's he's like within 10 miles of Hebron. Yeah. Which, which eventually is, becomes his capital. Yeah. Which is a massive Calebite city. Yeah. Like yeah. That's their center. It is kind of wild that he's like, and he was a mean guy. That seems like a negligible detail, but (laughs) is it just discrediting him right off the bat to set up? I think it's setting it up, but it's also comparing the husband and the wife. That the husband is this discerning and beautiful and wise woman. And (laughs) no, you got that backwards. The wife. Sorry. (laughs) Jeez. Abigail um, is a discerning and beautiful, wise wife. Um, and Nabal, which his name means the fool, is described as harsh and brutal. Man, his his mom must have been prophetic. Yeah, just dunking on him at birth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, most scholars say that that's not actually his name, but the guy who wrote Samuel was just like, this guy sucks. <laughs> you saying the name. Bible's lying to me? Nope. I will not elaborate. <laughs> <laughs> In the same way, you're going to figure out what hermeneutics means. Yes, passively. in the same way that Goliath means exile, or might have been a name given to him by the Philistines around him, the exile from Gath, um, or like Pharaoh as a title, or there's a guy named uh, Ahimelech, Abimelech, in that uh, Abraham meets, and he's a king of a city, and Ahimelech means uh, father of kings. Or my father is king. Um, it might be referring to a title, but not his name. An earlier rendition of King of Kings. And Melchizedek, maybe. Cool. Yeah, and Melchizedek, Melchizedek, King of Righteousness. Also Malachi. Yeah. Yeah. Just yeah. being messenger. Yeah. My me- yeah. My messenger. Yeah. Yeah. Also, 
this dude's rich. Yeah. Like, does it mention in the in this passage? Yeah. Yeah. Three thousand sheep and three thousand goats. He's like not quite comparable to Job, but like really close. Yeah. Let's do the comparison. Um, I don't know offhand how many. Actually, do you guys know how many he had? Or I'm gonna go. Job did right to the Bible. It is now. To be fair, Job still would be richer regardless because of the amount of time between the two. Yeah, yeah. Right. Are you so counting for inflation by way of yeah, comparison? Yeah, uh, Job has seven thousand <laughs> sheep, three thousand camels, five hundred yoke of oxen, yeah. and five hundred female donkeys. Hmm. And then gets double that after. Yeah. So like he's he's still small compared to Job, but this guy's rich. Yeah. yeah. And but he is not righteous. <laughs> no. Unlike Job. Has done nothing with that blessing. So surly and mean. He, uh, David's like, hey, we did this thing for you. You're doing your celebration. You're a rich dude. We helped you out. How about you help you, us out? Yeah. Reasonable request. Yeah, it's a reasonable request because he's got to look for alternate ways to feed his men. Because he's got 600 dudes. Yeah. And they need to eat because they're going around and saving people's towns. Right. <laughs> so they're... Uh, from day from, while running from Saul, so they're moving. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that, yeah, it's it's a completely reasonable movement. Next section When David's young men came, they said all of this to Nabal in the name of David, and then they waited. And Nabal answered David's servant, Who's David? Who is the son of Jesse? There are many servants these days who are breaking away from their masters. Shall I take my bread and my water and my meat? that I have killed for my shearers and give it to men who come from, I do not know where. So David's young men turned away and came back and told the him all this. And David said to his men, every man strap on his sword and every man of them strapped on his sword. David also strapped on his sword and about 400 men went up after David while 200 men remained with the baggage. I heard you laughing, Caleb. This is very specific tactics. Yeah. Right? Like, it's like telling how he delegates all his men. Mm-hmm. Hmm. But that's that's some harsh words from... To me, it's reminiscent of... And I know it's not super comparable, but to me, it's reminiscent of Pharaoh. Yes. With the, like, who is... Who's, who's, who's the Lord? Yeah, who are you that talking I should about? Answer why, to him? why should I care? Yeah, but... I don't I, know where he comes from. But here's the thing. They're both... He, they're both in the land of Judah. Yeah. <laughs> like this is, this is their region. Yeah. They would know each other. Yep. This is not also, he is, he was Saul's champion. Well, and it's also that it's specifically saying there are many servants these days who are breaking away from their masters. Oh, he's a prophet. Cause we'll see later. Well, no, no, no. <laughs> he's, he knows who David is. Mm-hmm. He's being facetious. Yeah. He's just like, who, who's David that I should think of that I should care about him. Yeah. You're got a band of whatever naysayers out there just doing whatever. Yeah. I'm Mr. Rich Man on the. Yeah. And it's probably because he's loyal to Saul because Saul rescued this area from the Amalekites. The Amalekites had owned this area for a while and Saul and his conquest when he was a good king. Um defeated the Amalekites and took the land back. And so these people are very grateful to Saul for what he did. Hmm. Also something that the text doesn't get into. 
the last time a group of people gave food to David, yeah. they were wiped off of the face of the earth. Yes. Yeah. And being the prof, being the priesthood of God did not stop that from happening. Yeah. So, and the text doesn't really say that that's a hinder. It doesn't even bring it up. But you got to kind of think that there's some, that that's going around in the background. Well, there might be another connection there later on to that like idea. Mm-hmm. Um, but we'll get into that. Well, I mean, it might be David's connection right now. Because <laughs> it's the opposite. No. And he's the, like, I'm going to wipe him out. <laughs> strap on your swords, boys. <laughs> yes. But there's also a note that David makes when Abigail comes and saves him. Yes. It's just, it is interesting to see. When David is granted food, Saul wipes it out. When David is denied food, he goes to wipe them out. Yes. And yet we'll see yeah. what happens. Yeah. Okay. But one of the young men told Abigail, Nabal's wife, behold, David sent messengers out of the wilderness to greet our master, and he railed at them. Yet the men were very good to us. We suffered no harm, and we did not miss anything when we were in the fields. As long as we went with them, they were a wall to us, both by night and by day, all the while we were with them, keeping the sheep. Now, therefore know this and consider what you should do for harm is determined against our master and against all his house. And he is such a worthless man that one cannot speak to him. Then Abigail made haste. Am I supposed to continue reading? I don't think so. You're 14 to 20. I think I am. Okay, go on. Then Abigail made haste, took two loaves of bread and two skins of wine, five sheep already prepared and five seahs of parched grain and a hundred clusters of raisins and two hundred cakes of figs and laid them on donkeys. And she said to the young men, go on before me. Behold, I come after you. But she did not tell her husband Nabal. And as she rode on the donkey and came down under cover of the mountain, behold, David and his men came toward her and she met him. So, Nabal was just talking about worthless servants betraying their masters. Mm-hmm. Well, his servants are like, hey, but he's a worthless master, and I'm going to betray him. <laughs> and then also his wife. Yeah, even his own wife, who's the wise wife, the discerning. Yes. So, we talked earlier about, like, Jonathan and even Michael, David's first wife, leaving the family of Saul and kind of defecting over to David. Do you think this is an example of now the common man is also starting to defect over to David? Because so. we're seeing the gradual broadening of the, the scope of, of uh, mm-hmm. David's supporters. Monkey sees pattern. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's that's what it is. It just well, seems and like... even God helps with that at the very end of the chapter. Yeah. 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 Which that's <laughs> going to be a tough one. That might actually lead into something bigger, but we'll see. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so Abigail's nice. Not only smart, no, smart and nice. David's coming to destroy. Well, we'll get into to what level of destruction he's going to get into, but he's pissed. Yeah. So I didn't. Hey, like you owe us something, and we're desperate. Yeah, we're desperate. But you, but you also insulted me. You insulted me because, like, I did this for you, and even if you didn't want to help me, because I'm opposing Saul. 
that would have been like who knows what the response would have been if his response was hey i thank you but i will not let my family and my servants be destroyed by saul for helping you yeah Mm -hmm. we don't know what david's reaction to that would be yeah but that's not the reaction he got no um yeah so yeah and and abigail makes this choice underneath her husband's watch and it's very interesting um and she goes on to say this. Now, David, David says this. Now, David had said, surely in vain have I guarded all that this fellow was in the wilderness so that nothing was missed of all that belonged to him. And he has returned to me evil for good. God do so to the enemies of David and more also if my morning, if by morning I leave as much as one male of all who belong to him. That sounds like knob to me. Yeah. It, it, so to me, there's there's a couple things that are compounding, at least in my brain. This is a parallel to knob, right? The priest where mm-hmm. Saul goes, wipes them out, and he wipes out everyone, right? Yeah. David's intent is to do the same. Yes. Right? Additionally, there's maybe there might even be a callback for when the worthless men didn't give Saul tribute. And then the people of Israel are like, ah, let's kill them all. Yeah. And then he's like, hey, yeah. no. But David, both of those things, Saul's once, the one, in one area it was, it was a good thing, and in the other area it was a very bad thing. And both of those, like this is David's moment of trial in, in that type of scenario. Yeah. And he's not going, he's not doing the right thing right now. He's currently marching towards them with malicious executionary intent. Yeah. And mm. yeah, and he he admits why he has a particular failing here later on. Yeah, um, he 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 admits the specific reason why he fails here, which is interesting because Saul doesn't in those moments, whereas David will like be like here here this is the specific reason what I did wrong. Um, and Abigail, yeah, Abigail's great. Shall I read the next section? Kill? Um, what do you got? Yes. You look like you're ready for something. Um, sorry. I, I have a note here, and then I, I don't know if I was going to bring it up. Which was the... I can't find the verse. Which was the verse where he will not let one male... 22. 22. Uh, I will not leave so much as one male of all that belong to him. Okay. You know what? Never mind. There's some weird note going on in the word biblical commentary on this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not worth bringing up. Many of David and Abigail. Indeed, Nabal. David had vowed under oath not to allow any of Nabal's men to survive until the morning. I don't know. There's something about pissing against the wall. And then he I mean, just read it out because it's funny. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> read it out. Read it out. Okay. Um, this is who, who writes this again. Um, word biblical commentary, Ralph uh, W. Klein. The meeting of David and Abigail is delayed by the narrator, narrator, probably in this case a Deuteronomic historian, records the thought that had run through David's mind. David lamented that, uh, sorry, that his protection of Nabal's property had been absolutely in vain. Indeed, Nabal had returned evil for good in the manner of Saul. David 
had vowed under oath not to allow even one of Nabal's men to survive until the morning. Um, and then he quotes another commentator, ascribes all the vulgar references to, quote, those who piss against the wall, end quote, to various Deuteronomistic hands. And then he quotes a bunch of things in First and Second Kings, which I want... A ch- now I'm, I'm kicking myself for not... <laughs> cross-referencing that yeah. um <laughs> this report of david's thought underscores the just character of david's wrath and how great a danger is posed to nabal's household that's not what i got in a different commentary but anyway <laughs> um well now i was we've... so excited to talk about that <laughs> well let's continue <laughs> well that was that <laughs> sorry guys that that was When (laughs) Abigail saw David, she hurried and got down from the donkey and fell before David on her face and bowed to to the ground. She fell at his feet and said, on me alone, my Lord, be the guilt. Please let your servant speak in your ears and hear the words of your servant. Let not my Lord regard this worthless fellow, Nabal, for as his name is, so is he. Nabal is his name and folly is with him. But I, your servant, did not see the young men of my Lord whom you sent. Now then, my Lord, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, because of the Lord has restrained you from blood guilt and from saving with your own hand, now then let your enemies and those who seek and do evil to my Lord be as Nabal. And now let this present that your servant has brought to my Lord be given to the young men who follow my Lord. Please forgive the trespasses of your servant, for the Lord will certainly make my Lord a sure house, because my Lord is fighting the battles of the Lord, and evil shall not be found in you so long as you live. If men rise up to pursue you and to seek your life, the life of my Lord shall be bound in the bundle of the living in the care of the Lord your God, and the lives of your enemies shall be slung out as from the hollow of a sling. And when the Lord has given has done to my Lord according to all the good that he has spoken concerning you and has appointed you prince over Israel. My Lord shall have no cause of grief or pangs of consciousness for having shed blood without cause or for my Lord working salvation himself. Then the Lord has dealt well with my Lord. Then when remembering your servant. Hmm. She's smart. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 (laughs) <laughs> what was that? What was that pass around? Hey, my husband is very foolish. He's kind of dumb. But hey, I'm your servant. Don't freak out. Don't go and destroy everything. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, no. Like, she specifically says, don't work out salvation by your own hand. Yeah. Um. Well, it's it's, and it goes specifically, I think, to the the line of vengeance is mine, yeah. says God. Well, and it's uh, it's. It's God saving David yeah. from actually committing the sins of Saul. Yes. I, that's, 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 why I, that's why I brought up the, the connections yeah. previously. Is because I, I think that's what's going on in there. Yeah. I, I think that's the, the well, main David thrust. David says that. And David says that later on. But David also later on says, I did not acquire upon the Lord. Hmm. The same way he did before. Right. I'm, I'm deciding to do this as king or whatever by my own mind by my own wisdom not by acquiring upon the lord if i should do this if i should act in judgment here Mm. because as king he's supposed to protect god's people and blah 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 blah. as god commanded saul you know defend the border protect the israelites 
bring just judgment, right. sword and stuff like that. And this is not a good case of that. Right. And he needs to acquire upon the Lord when doing that idea. But yeah. Abigail's like, she brings the food for everybody. She's like, hey, when you're going to go do what you're going to do, spare me. There was another servant that did well by talking to me. Yeah. You know. Um, mm-hmm. And she's also kind of prophetic. In that, like, she's like, hey, you're going to be prince. You're going to. Yeah. Yeah. You're going to rule. The Lord has made your house sure. Don't do this. The Lord's going to destroy your enemies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like a favor to allegiance is happening. You yeah. Know? And she's calling herself his servant. I think twice, three times. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of my lords. Yeah. But not the like. Yeah. Lord, Lord. But yeah. In in the Hebrew, would be more clear. But yeah. Because Yahweh would be written, but still Adonai. But yes, he's yes. going to fight about Hebrew. No, no, no. I'm just saying in the in the writing you would see Yahweh, but yeah. then you would see Adonai separately, but then still pronounce them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it wouldn't sound any different. Anyways, that's that's the whole point. Um, there. Have you been finding uh, reading in Hebrew more? I have not been reading in Hebrew more, but I've been like seeing the things that I'm learning, Mm. like looking back into it. Yeah. Like being like, oh, like that's probably that word that they're using. Mm. And that's been nice because my vocab list is huge. Like, uh, and and to clarify for our listeners, uh, Josh is just taking higher levels, higher levels of Hebrew. Now you have a Hebrew exam tomorrow, don't you? Yeah. So pray for Josh, even yeah. though it's past tense. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Prayed but for prayer Josh. Prayer does work unlinear un- to time. Which is why you can pray to saints. Anyways, let's... It's uh, <laughs> <laughs> not true. I don't believe that. Let's go back to the text. I'm sorry for throwing us off. Um, There's also a very, like... There's a very Rahab thing happening here. That's what I was going to say, is that there's a tie-in with, like, yeah, f- uh, feminine saving a family kind of a thing. Yes, and the, like, like God's, a great act of God is known by many people, and it's coming closer, and everybody's aligned against God, but this one person mm-hmm. goes secretly to God's people and is like, hey, don't kill my family, I, I actually like God. And also, she mentions, don't kill the servant either, because he's, yeah. like, doing a good thing. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, it's, it's just very interesting. Yeah. I wonder. I wonder if there's more to that. Yeah. Yeah, to the tie between Rahab and... Uh, hmm. Well, and also, this woman does join uh, Jesus' family line as well. That's true. Man, just... I want to make a connection to, to Nick... Uh, to... Nicodemus going to talk to Jesus secretly, secretly, but I don't think is, there is a connection. Is but Nicodemus the New Testament Rahab? No. What? He might be. I'm just saying I want to make the connection. I just yeah, can't he goes see it. Secretly to Jesus because he's like, hey, I like you, unlike the other Pharisees. And then he gets given the like, hey, if you believe in me, like Rahab did, right? You won't die. I mean, <laughs> in the most God's like judgment abstract. Is God's judgment is. Let's coming. make it less abstract. 
he is also given the author the offer of if you side with God, your life will be spared. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's kind of the limit, right? Like, or is there more in that? Story? That is like the most biblical. Like, and that is later the on, biblical theology. Yeah. <laughs> well, so yeah. Like, and then later on, he goes and defends Jesus in front of all the Pharisees. Yep. And then they ridicule him. Hmm. I think they were, were grasping the straws there. Nicodemus is a very interesting character because you don't know where he turns out. Yeah. Yeah, you never get an end story to him. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be one of, he's going to be one of those characters where like when you get into heaven and you see him and you're just like, yeah. I wonder, I wonder what, like <laughs> the, or you don't see him or you don't see him and you're just like, oh, <laughs> I wonder what the church tradition is on that. Cause like, you know, those, those type of things don't normally pop up until 200 and it's just made up anyway. But like, yeah. <laughs> What? <laughs> like, like he just said they don't pop up until 200 years later and then they just made it up <laughs> well i mean <laughs> some ar- stuff arguing like for tradition in the whole <laughs> just <laughs> i'm not saying everything man i'm sorry we've we, i'm sorry we've gotten derailed everything is made up anyways next question no. <laughs> objectively not true <laughs> well unless god made everything it and then sub- everything is made up okay. it is subjectively true though <laughs> Yeah. Do only subjective truths exist? Now you make have yes. to make now you have to answer it objectively. <laughs> yes, objectively. What is going on? <laughs> this is not the podcast. So I'm gonna read the next section. Is everybody ready for that? Yes, I think so. Everybody ready? Yeah. I'm, <laughs> I'm not sorry. ready for whatever Caleb was doing. So this is David's response, everyone. <laughs> what did I just This is why the Calebites were evil. <laughs> is it me? Well, you the one that brought up skipped a section, but that's okay. Um, and David said to Abigail, Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, who sent you this day to meet me. Blessed be your discretion and blessed be you. You have kept me this day from blood guilt and from working salvation by my own hand. For as surely as the Lord, the God of Israel lives, who has restrained me from hurting you, unless you had hurried and come to meet me, truly by morning there had not been left to Nabal so much as one male. Then David received from her hand what she had brought him. And he said to her, go up in peace to your house. See, I have obeyed your voice and I have granted your petition. I'm not going to kill everybody. Also, thank you for stopping me in my wild murder frenzy. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to kill everyone. Good job. And that would have been bad. Well, here's the thing. And acknowledging that it was God that sent her. Mm -hmm. The fact he knows he has this tendency is why he shouldn't be surprised later on when God does not allow him to build the temple. Mm. Is because it's mentioned here that it would be a very positive thing if David didn't just kill people who disagreed with him. <laughs> yeah. You're not yeah. wrong. Like that's that's what I see when well, I read this. And I love God's response. He's just like, hey man, you've killed too many people to be the one that builds my temple. Yeah. Like it would be dramatic irony if you built anywhere that anyone lived. You know what I'm saying? It's it's like if you if you built the place of life in Israel, it would still have a the the tinge of blood on it. You know what I'm saying? Like there's Well, I think that's why like that's why it's important that Solomon makes it and then like when you get Herod's temple later on, it's still like, yeah, but it was made by Herod. Yeah. That's it's like "Ah, I don't like that. Considering we know the character he was, even mm-hmm. though he was a king of Israel, 
in the weirdest way possible. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you would need to expand on that, and it's very far removed from the United Kingdom. <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh. United oh. Monarchy. The United Monarchy. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. When Israel was <laughs> one kingdom and not two. I yeah. didn't get that. <laughs> and this leads us to our next puzzle point. And Abigail came to Nabal, and behold, he was holding a feast in his house, like the feast of a king. And Nabal's heart was merry within him, for he was very drunk. So she told him nothing, and at all until the morning light. In the morning, when the wine had gone out of Nabal, his wife told him these things, and his heart died within him, and he became as a stone. And about ten days later, the Lord struck Nabal, and he died. Okay. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So the commentators that I read were just like, anyway, so she was wise for not telling him when he was drunk. Why? <laughs> I don't, I don't see. Is it just cause he's a fool who would like fly off the wall and just mm-hmm. like, like get his men ready and attack David? Yeah. Or, or like kill her. Yeah. Like, is, is that, is that the move? I think it is. Because then when he's sober, it would hit him what he'd done. What the, I mean, it seems like she was like, hey, also, um, help David. And then he just dies. Yeah. Well, and it's well, specifically so it's because the Lord yeah. destroying the enemies of David. Yeah. Which is something that she also prophesied, which is a little interesting. To me, it just sounds like a heart attack. Well, I mean, he that party was, too hard. Yeah, he partied too hard. And then. His wife told him these things, and his heart died within him, and he became as a stone. But I think that's similar to, like, when David said his heart died within him, when he felt the massive weight of guilt from when he was about to kill Saul. Hmm. And there's a very similar, like, threat to God's anointed, Um, and but David didn't do it intentionally because he said, no, this is the Lord's anointed, whereas Nabal was like, no, I'm intentionally insulting you. Okay. No, no, this is a personal attack. <laughs> yeah. So is it just that he realized there was going to be judgment for what he had done? Yeah. And because she had mentioned to David the line, May, uh, Nabal had intended to do to repay your good with evil. Yeah. And she said, may the Lord do that to his enemies. So Now, she would be immediately thinking of Saul, though, not Nabal. Maybe. Yes. Probably, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. But God's got his plans. And David with the rebound. (laughs) Whoa. Whoa. Like that's weirdly how it goes. And and I know, I know the context of it. Okay. Let's actually, let's get into the next section before. Okay. But first, so like God strikes David, this is where we get the like idea of like, and the Lord, like getting people getting like struck by lightning as like an act of God. Like, that's where, like, these kind of passages are what highlight that, like, cultural idea of, like, I got smited by God. Or, you know, like, in TV shows and stuff yeah. like that? Yeah. Yeah. Just what get was it? smote. Smote. Uh, Herod's intestines got eaten. Yeah. <laughs> by a bunch of worms. Yes. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. But, like, this is, like, the, like, boom, dead kind of. Well, depressed for 10 days and then this. <laughs> Yeah, unless the remark the of, of him, him being like, <laughs> unless the remark of him being like stone is like his heart was hardened. 
unless here's the thing, unless Joel's more modern approach there for a bit actually is it. What? His his heart goes into cardiac whatever, right? Yeah. And then he's just sick in bed. And nobody helps him. And nobody helps him and he dies. <laughs> yeah. Fair I mean, enough. if you get cardiac arrest in one thousand well, BC. Like You're Stone, it could be just he got a stroke because he wasn't able to move, which they would call like Stone. That makes sense to me. But. And a meteor divided the Red Sea? Hang on. Stop. No. <laughs> I'm, okay. I'm joking. I'm That's joking. a very fun equivalency. Awesome. Also, it's Red And yes, it was a meteor. So, uh, <laughs> no, there's, there's a difference between no, God working joking. straight up a miracle. Yeah. I was joking caleb also no <laughs> people being sick like bedridden and then dying 10 days later i don't put in the category of miracles worms <laughs> eating their intestines immediately i didn't say it was a miracle i just said the lord struck him yeah and that's the part that doesn't make sense to me because it's like he was on his way out well and to your point there is passages where it says the lord struck them with disease and okay. so there's a natural cause along those lines or the Lord struck them with tumors earlier on. So I don't want to give it a naturalistic explanation if that's not what it is, but it seems like that's what it is, right? It seems like, and his heart died within him would be an explanation of something medical going wrong with him. Yeah. That they can't diagnose. Cause yeah, it just, it doesn't feel poetic. I'm, I'm with Joel <laughs> on this one, but oh, that's, I, I don't disagree. The, Maybe. <laughs> maybe, the, maybe Josh doesn't disagree. <laughs> See, no, I'm, I'm trying. I to just figure don't it. think that the. I I just think that the natural cause was caused by God. That okay. he, he wasn't like fat, and that's why he had a heart attack. Oh, for sure, like <laughs> like providence <laughs> all the way. Yeah, like he like the way God killed him is in a natural way. The same way that if you were struck by lightning, that is a natural cause of death. Here's the thing. Okay. How do you think? Do we say getting struck by lightning is dying of natural causes? Because to me, that feels like a misuse of language. Here's here's the thing. Do you think Saul would read it that way? No. No, Saul would be like, hey, this guy was my good, faithful servant who mm -hmm. didn't help out David. And then he killed him somehow. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, no, he didn't die of, like, not natural cause. You're right. Not natural cause and, like, he died of old age. But, like, he died of a way, like... In nature, humans can die. <laughs> okay, we, we're definitely establishing a baseline here. I disagree. Like, <laughs> my position is nobody dies because I have no experiential proof for it. <laughs> so you're saying somebody doesn't just drop dead because God annihilates their soul? <laughs> <laughs> no, oh reference. man, and I don't think annihilating the soul <laughs> is the same thing as dying either. My goodness. No, you're <laughs> sorry, it just sounded cool in my mind. It, is, so it I... sounds awesome. I don't think it's the Christian perception of no. death. No, and I never said that. Back their soul. <laughs> no, but I mean like <laughs> Thanos snap. No, what I mean is like there's a difference between like God just like the life leaves them and they just fall over dead. Yeah. Like, and if you were to do an autopsy, there's no seeable reason why they would have died versus what you're saying is God caused his heart to fail and he died. Hmm. Yeah. Or aneurysm or whatever. Yeah. I don't need an exact diagnosis. What I'm saying is his heart dies and then the Lord struck him. 
after he was in bed for 10 days mm-hmm. or as a stone for 10 days. Yeah. Whatever that means. Yeah. And I think the heart dying stoned is stoned for 10 days. Yeah. And I think the previous mention to his heart dies is the, is in parallel to David when his heart dies, when he attacks Saul. Mm. This is of the guilt. Okay. So it's just your heart dies when you attack the Lord's anointed. Okay. We'll set, we'll settle with that. Cause I've got to think about this some more. So, but the, the Lord striking him can still be of a natural cause. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So okay. that way I don't disagree. That. I just, I just, I just had to do the Egyptian thing <laughs> and a meteor is what cuts the, God oh. calls, calls back the soul as you're walking on the sidewalk. <laughs> it's time. You just goes into ragdoll. <laughs> just no clips into the world. Goes into the back rooms. <laughs> Okay, so we're going to need like a legend to interpret this episode. Because at this point, the references are so all over the place. Shall we finish this last part? Probably. Are you ready? (laughs) Yeah, I think we're good. (laughs) Unless you had more to say, Joel. No, I think we're good. Okay. When David heard that Nabal was dead, he said, Blessed be the Lord who has avenged... (laughs) What? what? It's just, when he heard he was dead, he said, Blessed be the Lord. <laughs> Whoa. You give and take away. <laughs> and that's not it. That's, that's he, the first line of the song. I know. When David heard that Nabal was dead, he said, Blessed be the Lord who has avenged and the insult I received at the hand of Nabal and has kept back his servant from wrongdoing. The Lord has returned the evil of Nabal on his own head. Then David sent and spoke to Abigail to take her as his wife. When the servants of David came to Abigail at Carmel, they said to her, David has sent us to you to take you to him as his wife. And she rose and bowed with her face to the ground and said, behold, your handmaid is a servant to wash the feet of the servant of my Lord. And Abigail hurried and rose and mounted a donkey and her five young women attended her. She followed the messengers of David and became his wife. David also took Ahinoam of Jezreel and both of them became his wives. Saul had given Michael, his daughter, David's wife, to Palti, the son of Laish, who was of Gallim. Yeah. Kind of a mean move on Saul's part. Yes. I think he's a little bitter, eh? I mean, if... Eh. So, is David doing a bit of, like, kinsman redeemer here? Like, hey, sorry, you have nobody to take care of you now. Yeah, I, yeah. Do, I don't think so. Here's here's why. I don't think so. I hear, hmm. The other person he marries yes. is also a person from Judah. Um and then his his he rules from Hebron. Yes. I think he's marrying into the elite at Hebron, near Hebron, solidifying his power in Judah. Yes. I think it's a I think it's a political and practical marriage. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, this is how he can sustain sustain his band of merry men. Mm-hmm. She does need to be... She she, she should be remarried. Yes. Um, if she doesn't have sons, which she probably would, likely. Depends. Who knows? Mm. I was about to say something super miso- chauvinistic. Anyways, I'm going to not say that. Good. Um, ugh. 
sometimes you hate your own brain. <laughs> We're gonna have to clip that out, anyways. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think that there is like again. So I, I'm gonna actually oppose that view. Okay. I I think that it is because David is now obligated to take care of Abigail. I think it's returning the favor of protection. Yeah. That's I think it's what, she, it might be politically she advantageous. Has closer, she probably has closer relatives to be Kingsman to Redeemer to protect her in those ways. Right? Sure. Maybe. Why would it just be David, the person who's running from the king? That's <laughs> yeah, okay. I see but, that point. I just... Yes, but if, if, Na- if Nabal's family who are all the people there are supporters of Saul, find out that she had supported David and then gets married off to another man supporting the enemy of Saul, she's going to be dealt with horribly. She's not going to be taken care of. Yeah, that's true. She does have the... She's now an enemy of the people. She's committed treason. Yeah. Fair enough. So he's obligated. He's like, he's got to take her in. Ah. And then it also just doesn't explain um, yeah, I know of Jezreel. Like, oh, also, he, he married another woman, isn't and that, that's because his other uh, wife was ha- given away to one of his friends. Isn't that also, though, um, the wife of Saul, one of the wives of Saul, that name? Because I've, I've read commentators make a big deal out of it. It was like, ah, so he stole... Saul, Saul's wife, and and so Saul gave David's wife to somebody else. Oh yeah, and it doesn't look. What's his name? The word biblical commentator guy is kind of just like anyway. People say this, nah, doesn't make any sense. Hmm. No, I haven't seen any kind of connection with that. But who knows? Either way, it's weird that uh, David does just start. Just marrying immediately. Yeah, I think it's to because they're both because they're both um, from the tribe of Judah. I think it's to solidify so his connections to Judah, his strength in Judah. So John H. Walton, yeah. Victor H. Matthews, and Mark W. Chivalis, the writers of the IPP Bible background commentary of the Old Testament section, agree with you, Caleb. Um, they say. Uh, his marriage to Abigail provided him with ties to the area around Hebron and his marriage to Ahinoam of Jezreel established connections with households in the vicinity of Megiddo and Beth Shan. This kingship network ensured that David would have a friendly voices in the council of elders from all over the country. Hmm. On the other hand, and she, Abigail happens to be pretty and smart. Yes. Yeah, fair enough. She's very discerning, which means she'll probably be a good he probably thinks it'd be good to have her mm-hmm. voice. She saved me from sinning yeah, once. But I think, I think this is also unintentional on his behalf. Like, partly. Like, he got caught in this situation. Like, he was about to make this decision. God saved him from this interaction, right? And then also it's God's kind of way of providing him with an in mm-hmm. of being king in a, in a semi-treasonous sense. Uh, (laughs) um but so and in that way he's also taking care of a woman that is now in a bad position because if she goes anywhere she'll probably be dealt with horribly if not killed for being treasonous and so it's both she he's rescuing her and god has given him a political in and david sees it as a political in it's a win 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 that's fair and nabel's dead win (laughs) win 
and, one more support probably for souls never going to be seen again do we ever hear from any of these like family lines again like nabel or like there's no son of nabel mentioned is there and not to my knowledge not that i know of but i mean i don't think so and then doeg was the last one or yeah. doeg doeg yeah, doeg, yeah. Um, the Moabite? Was he a Moabite? He was, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah it seems like we're getting a bunch of mini-bosses before uh, before we get to Saul. But. Abner, the son of Ner. <laughs> Anyways. Wait, Ab- wait, Abner, the son of Ner? Would it be Ben? It would it be Ben Ner? Ben Ner? Would it be yeah, son I was about to say, because Ab would be like Av, like father. Yes. So... But Father might, Ner, no, son it, of Ner. No, what they're might be doing is the is the, the Yod might be consumed by the Nun. Nobody oh, yeah. knows what you're talking about. I know what he's talking so about. Hebrew, vaguely. For those that don't know Hebrew, sometimes when you in English, sometimes when you make an abbreviate like two like a compound word, the words in the the letters in the middle disappear. Like making uh can and not into cannot or can't. Letters disappear. That's yeah. It's different. It's a completely different system. But I'm just saying. Sometimes when you combine words in different languages, certain letters disappear. Yeah. And in this word, it might be the case that what would be Aviner, yeah, instead of Avner, mm-hmm. uh, just the the yod disappears. The the y part. What would Avi be then? Avi would be my father is king. My father is Ner. So my father is Ner, but it's the still... son of Ner. Because he's saying oh, that's awesome. Because this man is saying my father is Ner. Yeah, that's his name. <laughs> that's his name. That's so weird. Anyways, I took a. It's a step down from father of kings. I took a <laughs> systematics course from a guy called Veli Matti, which okay. I found out later just means brother Matt. Yeah, that's cool. I like that. Yeah. Or Malachi yeah. means my messenger or my angel. Weird. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. So, so David takes on another wife and there's no other, there's no consequence for it. There's no nothing. There's nothing. Um, this might be one of those gray areas at the time that it's like, mm. no, what I mean is like, like there's a lot of things that the kings do if we're going to judge them by New Testament, like yeah, but they're not because kind of the you yeah know, Deuteronomistic yeah. Like, okay, expand on that a little bit. Like, isn't there a whole I like people will reference you leave your from Genesis right? Yeah, you leave your your father and mother, and you become one flesh. Yeah. yeah. <sighs> Isn't that built later on with whole concepts of the family cell and like the man, mm-hmm. like in the intensity within marriage in the Deuteronomistic laws? Yeah. And yeah. like that kind of gets super broken up as soon as you presuppose that, oh, I can have multiple wives then. Yeah. Yeah. Because like, it, well, and we discussed in our patriarchs series the like the reason for the polygamy within the every the, time it shows up, it ha- it's negative. It, it has negative consequences. It's negative, but the reason why they're in the uh, the wanderer, the sojourner sections of Israel's history, the reason they're polygamous, is because of the cultural sense that if you have an uneven amount of females to males born, 
and the ma- the women aren't married to men, they will die. And so they will be married off to men. Oftentimes the man will have multiple wives so that they have someone to take care of. Yeah. I, uh, to, to be taken care of. I think it's, I think it's one of those, but now I think we're it's one the of the evidences session. of every culture fails to uphold and fails to even see how their culture has presuppositions that go against God's moral commands. Oh, I understand. I'm just saying that the reason why they had it was not because of this sense that men should have more than one wife in that specific cultural sense was because that if they didn't have more than one wife, these women that were outpopulated, the men would die because they had no one to take care of them. But that, that risk almost entirely disappears with civilization rather than nomadic tribes. Yes. Which is the point you're making about it being more necessary in Abraham's time. Yeah. But a downfall in David's time. Yes, and it gets consumed into the kings. The last person we see having multiple wives that is like of a normal person is uh, uh, Samuel's dad. Mm. And then it becomes the kings have multiple wives. Yeah. But the people aren't as much. Hmm. Um, and so you start to see like that happen, the, the multiple wives shifts to the higher, the, the people at the top. And then it becomes a super negative thing. Do you think because and a political thing, David's so much of David's stress in his life comes from his poor parenting. Well, his poor parenting, his childhood, his children not getting along and all that kind of stuff. It's just, I don't know, with with the so much heartache in the patriarchs come from them having multiple wives. Oh, yeah. Right. And do you think that that's a further continuation of that? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think it's also a confirmation that like it also makes sense that David is having this problem. Like he had a bad problem with his own family, with Saul, his father-in-law, right? Just as David is in this sense challenging his father to the throne, so does his son challenge him to the throne. Mm -hmm. And so like this is just like a – this like his whole family dynamic has always been messed up. Yeah. So I don't think David knows what a stable family looks like. (laughs) Like other than maybe his, like his father, Jesse and stuff like that. But he got pulled out of that young. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, and then he was in a political life from immediately, immediately. So, but yeah, that's chapter 25. It's like, it's another nothing happened episode. I can't remember reading this. Like growing up, <laughs> like it's one of those things where I know I, I read through Samuel when I was younger. Yeah. Um, but until we started doing research for this episode or until I read it, I guess in college, mm-hmm. I, this whole thing kind of like went over my head. Um, yeah. The part that I remember the most is at the very, right the very end in the comment about Saul giving away Michael. Because mm, I did. Yeah. Yeah. Cause right. when David goes to get Michael, the person that Saul has given her away mm-hmm. really does love her mm. yeah, and weeps following after her, mm-hmm. which is like this weird. I, yeah. I don't know what to do with all that, but yeah, yeah it doesn't go Bible's well. wild. It, it is. And I think there's an interesting amount of silence from God on those points sometimes. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why I said that there's a bit of a grayness from like where God approaches 
he's like, we might be able to look at Deuteronomy and say, this is clearly wrong, but there's times where people lie and God does nothing mm-hmm. like with David. And there's times where somebody does something and right. And God does nothing mm-hmm. like, and it's, there's a bit of like, like the, like the priest of not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They save David. Nothing from God. They get annihilated. God's priesthood gets annihilated by Saul. Nothing. Mm-hmm. Like what's, what's going on? And that's, that's an interesting. And then he comments and then he sends Abigail mm-hmm. to help David. Yeah. And you're like, that's, that's an odd, but then again, that's just us not understanding the ways of God because his ways are higher. And I think the more you work through these, these stories in this longer format, um, the more you're going to realize you don't always get narrative morals immediately. Yeah. Like a lot of times the, a, a side effect of story is that you're left, you're left with this large picture and the ability to focus on smaller points the longer you look at it. You know yes, what I'm saying? The, like there's a complexity to the to the wider picture that you don't necessarily get unless you step back and you just think about it for a while. Yeah, like these aren't this isn't a morality tale. Yeah. Yeah. It's this not is, telling you to do this anything. This is a theological narrative of God working salvation through history. Mm-hmm. Specifically right now, a king. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A treasonous man becoming king. A man accused of treason, hasn't committed treason, working for God. He's doing everything he can not to commit treason. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So far. Yeah. And there's moral decisions in there that we can take light of, but it's not a morality tale. Yeah. Yeah. Chapter 24 isn't don't take vengeance, though that is one of the things David says. Vengeance is God's. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But that's not the point of it, specifically. Yeah. And yeah. and that is, I mean, to me, that's my favorite part about biblical narrative is it takes a while to apply mm-hmm. because you don't always have a situation in your life where you can just easily apply it. You have to just kind of sit with it. Yeah. It's like that thing we say about Dostoevsky novels where like you read them and then 10 years later, you're like, whoa, like yeah. it hits finally, like crime and punishment, all that stuff. The Bible does that, but over centuries <laughs> instead of a few years. Yeah. That's actually a good point. <laughs> it does it over a lifetime. Yeah. Hmm. It just constantly hits you. Whoa. Yeah. Well, are we going we gonna to put a bow on it or what? Probably. We haven't spiraled yet, so it doesn't feel like oh, we're officially coming oh, we to an end. we spiraled early. Yeah, we spiraled <laughs> yeah. early and then we kind of came back on. If we're putting a bow on it, is it, is it a present? Well, no, it's in the future because we'll be posting it next couple weeks. Please end it. Please. Like in Christmas. Like at Christmas. Please end Okay, we spiraled. Let's <laughs> finish this episode. <laughs> That's awesome. So if you've listened to this far, I'd like to thank you personally. This is me, Joel. Thank you. (laughs) Don't get confused with Josh nasal voice over here. Josh, also thank them. Listener, thank you for listening to the Second Rate Saints podcast. Oh, my goodness. Caleb, you also have to thank the listener. (laughs) Thanks who, Caleb? That's all you're getting. No, thank you for listening to the podcast. Whenever... Um, listeners, I almost said customers. <laughs> Whenever listeners send us emails, it absolutely makes my day. And you, you can send those emails to secondratesaints at gmail.com. And if you want to use the chat feature on our website, that's secondratesaints.com. Um, yeah, 
uh, keep an eye on what we're doing online. Um, thank you so much for uh, the recent interaction. Uh, again, it has been um, it has been popping off in the group chat every time we get a message. It's very exciting. Um, but uh, we've really enjoyed um, creating this content, but also responding to um, comments and emails. Um, yeah, we'll see you next week, I suppose. Let's just uh, end it.